morning, um, we are going to continue in our series on the Gospel of Matthew. And I will ask you to, to open your uh, copy of God's Word in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And we will be considering verses 1 through 13. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Now, if you were with us last week, um, you may remember that Jesus starts... Uh, his uh, speech with certain parables that we saw in chapter 24. Um, that, those two parables that we saw last week continue in chapter 25, and then it closes with final judgment at the end of chapter 25. What Jesus is doing is basically uh, applying the same point that he has been applying in previous verses to make it even more clear to his disciples. And this is nothing, nothing new to Jesus. He does the same with the parable of uh, uh, the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep. And then after that, you have the parable of the prodigal son. The three of them emphasize one single point. Jesus cares for, his, cares for his people. In the same way here now, uh, the parable that we are going to consider speak about Jesus and his coming and what it is that we need to have in our lives in order to be ready for his coming. So with that in mind, congregation of the Lord, please stand to hear the reading of God's holy, inspired, inerrant word. This is God's word, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with, with uh, their lamps. Excuse me, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, uh, saying, uh, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy, and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Thus far the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Um, I saw a video the other day about a wife and her husband. And the wife is on her way to home and she realized that she will not make it on time. That she needs help to prepare dinner. And so she texted the husband. And the text had said something like this. Honey, I'm running late and I need your help. Could you please take two cans of beans and put them on the stove? The husband replied, sure thing. Fifteen minutes later, the wife arrives home and she's thinking that at least she doesn't have to be concerned about the beans. However, when she arrives to the kitchen... She finds that the husband did indeed put the beans on the stove, but he never opened the cans, he never turned on the stove, he never prepared the beans. He literally just put two unopened cans of beans over the stove 
and he thought his job was done. <laughs> the beans were not ready. Dinner was not ready. Not even close. And there is something similar to that in the text that we have to consider this morning, Congregation of the Lord, because our text speaks about being ready for the, kingdom, for the coming of the king. And that is my theme, ready for the coming of the king. Now, we will examine this theme in two parts. First, being ready by living wisely. And second, being ready by avoiding foolishness. So being ready by living wisely. And second, being ready by avoiding foolishness. Now, let's see the first part, ready for the coming of the king by living wisely. Now, you will notice as we enter in the text that this parable of Jesus has many, many elements that do not match with reality entirely. And the thing is that it doesn't have to. After all, it's a parable. And the purpose of a parable is to make clear a point. That's it. In this case, the point keeps being the same. That is, the second coming of Jesus in power, of which no one knows the day or the hour. So listen to verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now, often we see uh, in, in, in the synoptic, synoptic gospels, excuse me, that is boys and girls, uh, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Jesus is referring to the concept of the kingdom of heaven in a twofold way. He says many times that the kingdom of God is at hand, that has arrived, that is like a mustard seed that, that grows and so on. But at other times, like the one that we find here in this verse in uh, chapter 25 of Matthew, Jesus says that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is about to come or that it will come. And it will be like ten virgins, as if the kingdom of, of God were something future. In light of that, then, we need to affirm both realities. First, that the kingdom of God is already present, as we have said before many times. But second that the kingdom of God will come. At present, that is, Jesus Christ already rules and governs everything. He is king over the whole of creation. But there will come a day in which that rule and government will become visible and manifest for everyone to see. So it's this second understanding that Jesus is talking about, the understanding of his second coming, and notice the explicit comparison that Jesus has here. The kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins in a wedding. Here the image is kind of weird. We have uh, ten virgins getting ready for a wedding. And for what we know about Jewish weddings, it seems that at some point of the wedding, you had all of these people celebrating, but at some point the bridegroom has to leave for a time. And then he needs to come back. And when he's coming back, then he had a procession with these virgins and they needed to accompany him as he comes to meet the wife and then they consummate the marriage. So the task of these virgins will be to form the, profession, the procession, to be ready with the lights so they can accompany the bridegroom to the party. So in verse 1, this, we find these virgins getting ready to receive the bridegroom that is soon to come and continue with the party proper where the consummation of the wedding uh, is finally uh, seen. So as you can see, the kingdom of heaven is like those girls, Jesus says at present. They are supposed to be ready. They are supposed to anticipate the fact that the bridegroom will come back. 
that the end of the age will be like a party, a great celebration. Now, have you thought on that, congregation of the Lord? Have you thought on that, uh, boys and girls? The coming of Jesus that we so much anticipate and are waiting for is not and will not be a boring, dull thing. We will not be saying on that day, is this sad? You know what? I'm kind of tired of, of floating around in my little cloud with my little harp. <laughs> in fact, that is not even a realistic picture of heaven, is it? The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like ten virgins in a wedding. Weddings are fun. Uh, weddings are big parties. And Jewish weddings could last up to seven days. You will never be bored in a place like that. Because every single day you will see God and you will beheld his glory as if were for the first time. And every single day you will experience the most amazing, the most involving, the most intoxicating presence of God that will fill you with awe as if were the first time. There's nothing there that you can be bored about or with. Because we will be beholding God in all his glory. Now, however, in the parable, we need to recognize that these virgins are waiting for that day. They are not in that day yet. They are waiting for the bridegroom. Just like the church right now is waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. So what are then the characteristics of those virgins? Listen to verses 2 through 4. Five of them, Jesus says, were foolish and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their, took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Now, the first thing that we can glean from Jesus' words is that there is a division between these two virgins, two kinds of virgins. Half of them are foolish. And notice how these foolish are the ones who are mentioned first. The text doesn't say this. It's just me and uh, drawing this implication from the text. But Jesus Maybe putting them first in order to highlight them, to set them as an example. This is what you are not to do. Don't follow these fuller, foolish virgins. But in any case, whether that is the case or not, these are foolish virgins because they have everything they need. Except oil, fuel for their lamps. This is, boys and girls, like buying the new iPhone 14, but not buying the charging block. And believing that somehow, whatever juice you have in your iPhone is going to last you for two weeks. Notice the difference with the wise virgins. They are wise because they take everything they need, including the fuel. This is again like buying the new iPhone 14 and the charging block. Because you know when you are out of juice, you can plug it in and you will have battery for the rest of your day. So as you can see, congregation of the Lord, the problem of the foolish virgins is that they don't know how to govern themselves. If they truly knew, they would have realized that what they needed the most is fuel for their lamps to keep the, the fire burning. Now, what all of that means is very simple. They needed Jesus Christ. But they don't have oil. They don't have Jesus. Jesus, brothers and sisters, is the battery of our spiritual life. It is because of Jesus that we have life. If we have no Jesus, then we have no life at all. We can be like a brand new iPhone, looking great and beautiful and everything, and yet with no life. 
It serves for nothing. In the same way with the virgins. They have received the invitation to the wedding. That is the gospel call, the gospel invitation. They have torches or their lamps, but they have no fuel. They have no Jesus. The foolish, the foolish virgins, in other words, are like people who receive the gospel with gladness. They are happy to hear the gospel. They have received the invitation, but on time they show that they never believed the gospel. They never had faith in Jesus Christ. They prayed a prayer and they thought that was enough. As you can hear, the difference between these foolish virgins and the wise virgins is placed in the starting point. That is, the wise are truly wise because from the beginning they had looked for what they need. They had looked for wisdom, that is, Jesus Christ, clinging from him, believing in him. They have come to put all their trust in their need for oil, in their need for Jesus Christ. In fact, notice even how the picture becomes more complex. Look at verses 5 and 6. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Now in these verses, we hear that both of them fell asleep. So in a certain sense, the wise and the foolish virgins, both of them were unable to keep themselves awake, waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it that even resonate with our uh, personal spiritual experience sometimes? Uh, because in the Christian life, as we await for the coming of the king, many times it will become impossible for us not to get distracted, not to put our guard down. We are weak, we are feeble, we have no strength in ourselves to persevere. And we easily, like these virgins, fall asleep in our guard many, many times. How many times it seems to us that the gospel simply doesn't make sense anymore or making an impact in our lives? How many times have we felt that the passion for Christ is kind of fading away and something else is taking its place? Maybe an easy one. How many times it's easier to watch a movie instead of reading your Bible? How many times we feel, we feel like uh, it's really, really hard to come to church? Times of spiritual drowsiness are not foreign for the Christian. It happens even to the most spiritual one of us. Can you imagine what will happen if God would decide to leave the, the spiritual life of his people in our hands? That will be a disaster. It will not work at all. But praise the Lord that that is not the case. Praise the Lord that we are not the ones who have our eternal life, our destiny in our hands. Notice that both groups fell asleep. What is the, the difference then between one and the other if, if both are falling asleep? Not the ability to be awake, for sure. Not their strength, for sure. The difference is one between having Jesus and not having Jesus. If we have Jesus, then we can rest assured that even if we waver, even if we are weak, he will never be moved he is never weak. If we have Jesus in our lives, even if we don't feel like the gospel is making sense in our lives or an impact in our lives, we still can rest assured that he is taking care of us, that he is walking with us. Because our gospel assurance doesn't come from us, doesn't come from anything that we can do. 
Because the truth is that our assurance rests in Jesus Christ and what he has done in our place. If you have Jesus, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you have everything you need for your Christian life. In the final day, you will be ready. Not because of you, not because we are such a great Christian people and because we are always watchful, but because the principle of your life is Jesus Christ. And he will sustain you to the end. And it is this life principle, this oil, that will lead you to persevere. It will lead you to cling from Jesus even if you are suffering from darkness of the soul. It is this Jesus, in other words, who will make you ready. It is this Jesus who will stand with you until the end. That is what Jesus is saying. This doesn't have anything to do with being watchful or being awake because both girls fell asleep. It has to do with Jesus. If you have him, you have it all. Now let us move to the second point where we see that we are to be ready for the king's coming by avoiding foolishness. Now listen to what happened uh, next in verses 7 and 8. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of, some of your oil, for, your, for our lamps are going out. Now in hearing that the bridegroom has come, both groups of virgins understand that this is it. This is the time that they need to go outside and meet with the bridegroom. And therefore, they start getting everything ready. And again, pay attention to the idea uh, uh, that is displayed here, congregation of the Lord. These foolish virgins are foolish because they knew what was coming. They were among the other virgins. They knew the brethren has to come back. They were people at church, if you want, who were listening sermons, if you will. And they knew of Jesus' coming. But even then, they failed to act wisely upon that understanding. They failed to strive for Jesus, to believe in him. And foolishness is often characterized in that way in the scriptures, isn't it? The fool knows what is coming, and even then he falls into the trap. Into the trap. The fool knows what happens to him if he rejects the gospel, but even then continues rejecting the gospel anyway. That's what makes a fool a fool. It is the lack of their taking their, the gospel warnings and the gospel message seriously. And notice the strong criticism that we have here to our modern mentality congregation. Because we live in a time in which we think we are the most important thing that has happened to this world. We take ourselves too seriously, do we not? We often think that the world cannot run without us. And if we are offended by someone, we make sure that everyone knows it. We take ourselves too seriously. And when we do, we become fools. In any case, the preparation of the virgin seems to be very similar. All of them have their torches, their sticks. All of them start to grab around the cloth in the, in the stick. And all of them start to lighten up their torches. However, there is one very important key issue that is lacking here. Without the fuel, the torches cannot remain alight, which disqualifies them from participating in the, in the procession. As I said before, this is a parable, after all. It means to illustrate the whole uh, of the situation, the whole point of uh, and situation, the coming of Jesus and the need to be ready for his coming. So, 
the point is clear. These foolish, foolish virgins, they were not ready. They didn't prepare themselves. And now in a moment of desperation, they are asking their friends, give us your, of your oil. We need them. <coughs> Excuse me. Now listen to the wise virgins in verse, in verse 9. But the wise answered, saying, Since there, there will be not enough for us and for you, go gather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. If we were to take an extreme literalistic approach to the reading of this parable, we will say things like, oh, these foolish virgins, uh, these virgins uh, they are so selfish. Why they don't want to share? But remember, this is a parable. It's not meant to be taken literally. It's an example. It's a story to illustrate a point. It's, it has to be interpreted inside that genre. Parable. The point here then is that oil, the provisions made by the wise, the wise virgins, are personal, individual. You cannot share with others what you have stored for yourself. Let's take faith, for example. How do you share your faith in Jesus Christ with others? How do you give them of your faith so others can believe? That's impossible. You can't do it. It's something that has to be exercised individually. Every individual in the church has that responsibility, whether to, to, show, to show through faith or to be a hypocrite among the church. That is the point being said here. And to reinforce his point, Jesus develops the parable even more. Due to the impossibility to share, now the virgins have this, uh, this, this foolish, foolish virgins, excuse me, have the task of going to the market and try to get more oil. Now understand what this means, congregation of the Lord. The Jerusalem, the Jerusalem of the times of Jesus was not a cosmopolitan city. It was not like New York, the city that never sleeps. Or Amsterdam, the city of progress, where you have everything in your hands. No. At this time, Jerusalem was a provincial city. Small one. Not even close to be the center of attention of the whole empire. So trying to go at midnight to find more oil is an impossible task. It's a doomed to fail kind of task. You will not find any dealers selling stuff at that time. Midnight. Everyone is sleeping. While we live in this period of the kingdom of Jesus, the church, brothers and sisters, is the dispenser, the dealers of the news of eternal salvation through the preaching of the word. When Jesus comes, the preaching of the word will end because we will see by sight and not by faith anymore. And that makes evangelism an unnecessary task after Jesus' return. In other words, when the king finally arrives the, the, to this world to, to bring his kingdom and consummate his kingdom, it will be too late for the hypocrites to uh, put their trust in Christ. There will be no place to go. In fact, listen to verses 10 and 11. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. 
Now, in their desperation, these foolish virgins run through the city. They are trying to find oil, but they find, find none. And with that, they have lost their right to participate in the wedding. Because when they have returned to the wedding party, they find that the door of the wedding has been closed. They have no access to the party anymore. Now, uh, Jews and Jewish culture was kind of like Hispanic culture, uh, in a sense. What I mean by that is that the concept of time is not the same as we have here in America. Arriving late to a party was okay. It was open for everyone. No one will get offended if you arrive late. Who cares? It's open. It's a party. So, um, uh, so that is not what Jesus is saying here. Remember, this is a parable. It's not, it doesn't match exactly with reality. Jesus is not being culturally insensitive here. Rather, what he simply saying is affirming when the final, when the final day comes, his coming is so definite, so final, so clear that uh, that it will be an event with final, eternal repercussions, similar to a door that has been closed and that will never open again. Once the door of the party is closed, you cannot go in. Even if you have an invitation to the party, like the girls, the foolish virgins had, even then they will not have the right to enter. In fact, the words of Jesus are very ominous, aren't they? Verses 12 and 13. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the solution to the whole thing, congregation of the Lord. That in this interadvental period of Jesus' millennial kingdom, many are called, many receive the invitation of the king, but not everyone will come into the kingdom to enjoy the party. Unless we try to figure it out, what it is that we need um, to enter in the party, and we come with weird ideas, unless we do that, we simply need to pay attention to Jesus' words. What we need is to be known by him. What we need is to be received by him. What we need is to have Jesus. Do you want to know what this parable is all about? It's all about Jesus. In other words, being wise means getting Jesus. If you have Jesus, then you are wise. Jesus is the wisdom that we need. It is Jesus through who, whom through his spirit will help us to persevere until the end. Even if during our walk in this world, we waver and we are weak. Even if that happens, Jesus has you in his hands. You will never fall, fall away from him. The book of Proverbs affirms, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Jesus, taking up that theme, has said to us this morning, Wisdom is finding Jesus, believing in him. Wisdom, in other words, begins and ends with Jesus. He is the all in all in the gospel. So what does it mean to be ready for the coming of Jesus? It means to look for Jesus Christ, our only foundation for salvation. If we do that, if we believe in him, when he comes, we will be received 
by him and we will enjoy the party and what a party will that be we will enjoy it with him forever may he sustain us until the end let's pray heavenly father we long for that day in which you will come and uh, what a blessing it is to know that um, your word uh, assures us that there is nothing we can do to save ourselves that even in the walk of the christian life you are the one who is sustaining us and protecting us even when we fall asleep lord many times we have fallen in times of drowsiness uh, spiritual uh, deafness or even times of dryness lord help us revive us again and help us to look to you help us to uh, trust in you even if we don't feel like it help us to be moved by you and as we do so uh, put uh, peace in our hearts and the assurance that because we have you there is nothing ever that will move us from your presence and as we wait for your coming lord reassure us of that we pray in jesus name amen <laughs>